Hello, everyone. Uh, today's Bible reading comes from the book, the book of John, uh, from chapter 15, verse 26, to chapter 16, verse 15. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They, pu they will push you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will, will receive from me what he will make known to you. Thanks, Beatrice. I've got family who live in a small beachside town and a couple of years ago we were there and Ronnie and I decided we wanted to go for a swim. No one else wanted to come so we just went for a swim, the two of us. And we're swimming at this spot called the River Mouth, which is a river mouth, <laughs> where the river kind of opens into this wide expanse of water as it meets the ocean. And it's great, we're swimming, it's lovely and then we see in the distance kind of thunder clouds start to roll in over the coast. And before we know it, there's a full-on thunderstorm kind of raging over our heads. And Ronnie turns to me in some, some kind of anxiety and says, Sam, there's, there's lightning, we have to go. We're going to get electrocuted, we could die. And I kind of scoffed and looked at Ronnie and said, that's ridiculous, don't be silly. Elect uh, lightning doesn't hit the water, we're not going to die from getting electrocuted. So. Uh, she was kind of panicked, uh, but we, we hung around, we kept swimming, she kind of got out, I kept swimming for a little while. Eventually we went back to the house, and the whole family was there, freaking out. They were about to send out search parties to look for us, because as apparently everybody knows, you should never swim in the ocean during a thunderstorm, because <laughs> you might get electrocuted and die. When Ronnie told me that, when she spoke that truth to me, I didn't listen, right? I was too... Stubborn. I didn't hear the truth. I didn't receive that truth that Ronnie was telling me. And sometimes we're all a bit like that. We can all be a bit stubborn and sometimes we don't receive the truth that we hear. 
Maybe you've seen before the kind of constant stream of movies that seem to get released that are these kind of natural disaster movies. They all follow a very predictable plot, right? The whole thing's really just one big kind of rehearsal. And part of the story in all of these movies is there's always a scientist, right? Usually some kind of maybe nerdy intern somewhere who discovers what's going to happen. And they try to tell their superiors and the superiors don't listen. Maybe if the superiors did listen to them, they'd make less compelling movies. But uh, again, we see this uh, truth being spoken, this truth being told that's rejected by people who don't want to listen to it. And as we come to God's word tonight, as we hear Jesus continue in his conversation with his disciples on this night before the events of the crucifixion begin, we're thinking about how we and how the world does exactly that. How the world responds when truth is spoken to it. And how we respond when truth is spoken to us. Jesus has been talking with his disciples as he anticipates his death, his resurrection and his going back to the Father in heaven. He's preparing them for him to go away because they feel nervous about that, about him leading them. And particularly, he's encouraging them, he's comforting them, he's reassuring them that the person of the Holy Spirit will come, will live in them and will empower them to follow Jesus in a world where it's really hard to do so. And so that's where we find ourselves too as followers of Jesus. Jesus died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven and is with the Father and now we, as Christians, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, have the power of the Spirit living in us as we live for Jesus in a sometimes difficult world to do so. He's preparing them and he's preparing us for life after Pentecost, a life of Spirit-filled suffering. And tonight... What we're going to do in these verses is focus right in on this person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The role of of the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He's been right at the forefront of this conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And we're going to ask three questions about the Holy Spirit tonight. And if you've got your uh, news sheet, if you're the note-taking kind of person, you can see the questions are written down there for us. What does the passage teach us about who the Spirit is? What does the passage teach us about what the Spirit does? And what does the passage teach us about how he does it? So who is the Spirit? What does the Spirit do? How does he do it? So let's think about that first question first then. Who is the Spirit according to this passage? Have a look at... in the passage there in your Bible or in the service sheet and have a think about what we might see there about who the Spirit is. Even in that very first verse, right, in in verse 26, we see two titles, two names that are given to God, the Holy Spirit. He's called our Advocate and he's called the Spirit of Truth. So he's our Advocate We explored this a bit a couple of weeks back. This is variously translated in in different translations of the Bible as as helper or counsellor or comforter. The Spirit is an advocate for us. And we imagined a few weeks ago, he's a bit like 
the role of a refugee advocate, right? A, a generalist helper rather than a specialist helper. The refugee advocate helps the refugee with whatever it is that they need, navigating Centrelink, navigating immigration, finding a place to live. And part of the way a refugee advocate works is they kind of advocate in two directions, right? They're advocating on behalf of the refugee to the society that that person lives in as they do those things, as they navigate life in that new place. But they're also advocating for that society to the refugee as they teach them, as they show them, as they support them to live there, as they learn language, learn to do the things that they need to do to live in the new place where they are. That advocate is working in both directions, strengthening the connection between the refugee and the place where they live. And a bit like that, our advocate, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, he strengthens the connection between us and God. He, he kind of represents us to God and he, he represents God to us. He is God in us. The Spirit is the advocate. And, and, and this is a title that we'll kind of focus in on for most of our time, he is the Spirit of Truth. He communicates truth. What he says is true. So if that's who the Spirit is, if he's an advocate and he's a spirit of truth, then what does he do? Well, have a look uh, again, just at, at verse 26. We're still in that very first verse. He will testify about Jesus. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He will testify about me, Jesus says. And that word testify is a word that maybe we don't use very much in our language these days apart from in kind of legal settings where a witness testifies to what they saw to establish the truth of the event. And what does the spirit of truth testify about? He testifies about Jesus. Because... Jesus is the truth. In this very same conversation with his friends that we heard a few weeks ago, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not, I know the truth. Not, you can find truth through me. I am the truth, Jesus says. If you went to work tomorrow morning, or you went to uni tomorrow morning, if uni was on, you'd be a bit lonely, and you ask someone, what is truth? What do you think they would say? Well, I think probably first they'd look at you a bit like, really, on a Monday morning, we're doing that? Can't we just drink our coffee and do our work? But then I think if you press them, they'd probably stumble out some kind of answer like, truth is the knowledge that helps you live a good life. Or truth is what you choose to believe. Or they might say that there is no objective truth. But if you're a Christian, then you have a one-word answer to that question. Truth is Jesus. See, what is truth for us isn't even really the right question. 
The question is, who is truth? And the answer is, Jesus. Who Jesus is, his identity as as God and human, as our saviour and our friend, that is truth. Everything that Jesus said about himself, what he taught about God and about living life to the full, that is truth. The life that Jesus called us to live of radical love and self-giving to others, that is truth. The eternal life which is found in Jesus and the eternal death which is found apart from him. That is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And so when the Spirit testifies, he testifies about Jesus. The Spirit testifies the truth. He testifies Jesus to the whole world. That's what he does. And Jesus, he unpacks this further in verses 8 to 11 which maybe when Beatrice read them for us before, a bit like when I first came to these verses, you found a bit confusing, verses 8 to 11. Have a look there. They're a little difficult to unpick, but but let's kind of briefly work through them together. Verse 8 tells us that the Spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So he's the Spirit of truth, He's speaking truth to the world. And remember, that's quite an important phrase, right? The world. That's a phrase that John has been using again and again as he recounts the life and and these words of Jesus. It's the word cosmos. It means the created order in rebellion against God. The world which God made, but which doesn't recognise God as its maker. That's what he means by the world. And so the meaning there is the Spirit proves the world to be in the wrong is, is beyond like victory in an argument. I was at my sister and brother-in-law's house the other day in the evening. Uh, one of their kids, their daughter, kind of stumbled out from her bedroom quite late after we thought they were all asleep, asking us to resolve a spelling dispute that she was having with her brother across the bedroom. She wanted us to prove her brother to be in the wrong and her to be in the right. Uh, which which we did, but he refused to accept, despite the overwhelming opinion of the adults in the house. But that's not what the Spirit is doing by proving the world to be in the wrong. It's not just like a, a kind of an argument. No, the Spirit's work of proving the world to be in the wrong is it's a convicting and exposing of its wrong. Don Carson calls this shaming the world and convincing it of its own guilt, thus calling it to repentance. Do you remember the story of Nathan, the prophet, telling David after his adultery the parable of the rich man stealing the poor man's sheep and then sticking the knife right into David and saying, you are the rich man. He's proving David to be in the wrong. Or if you know the story of the Wizard of Oz, the great and mysterious wizard has the curtain pulled back to reveal behind just a man operating a machine. He's exposed, he's proved to be in the wrong and his lie is extinguished. That's what the Spirit does in testifying truth to the world. 
as the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, as person by person in their billions are brought to faith, the world is revealed to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness and judgment. The world, the cosmos, the created order in rebellion against God is exposed and shamed as God achieves his great plan so that ultimately God might show his John 3.16 love for the world as he redeems it. Now, I think I'm on pretty safe ground to say that none of us enjoy being proven to be wrong, right? If you ask Ronnie that after we swim in the ocean, she will certainly tell you that I don't enjoy being proven to be in the wrong. That's why the world resists the Spirit's truth as it goes out. Jesus said that he came with a sword. It's the gospel of Jesus that divides humanity in two. No wonder Jesus anticipates suffering for his disciples in this passage as they take their place in that spirit-empowered proclamation of the gospel to the world. I read a few articles a month or two back about um, Putin's invasion of Ukraine and one of the reasons why it was so much less swift and simple than he had anticipated was that his advisers, his generals, were afraid to tell him the truth. Though in many cases, in many battles, they knew that Ukraine's forces were strong and that theirs were not, they declined to tell Putin the truth for fear of his reaction, for fear of reprisal. They weren't able to speak the truth because they feared how he would resist it. But the Holy Spirit speaks truth to the world, whatever its response. And as we take our place in the Spirit-empowered proclamation of the Gospel, we must speak truth to the world, whatever its response. We must speak the truth of the gospel even to a world which opposes the gospel and often opposes us as we preach it. Because that gospel that the Spirit preaches through us is the gospel that saves. The Spirit speaks truth to us to rescue us. He is the one who would convince us away from death into life. And he is patiently and determinedly pointing us to Jesus as our great hope for life now and forever. He speaks truth. He speaks Jesus, the one who is truth, to save us from the lies that we live by, the lies that lead to selfish living and to futility and ultimately to destruction. Where when we think our happiness or our success is the most important thing in life, the Spirit proves us to be in the wrong. When we think that we're good people, that we live good enough lives to earn God's love, the Spirit proves us to be in the wrong, convicts us of our sin and our need for rescue. When we think that there is no God, that this world is all that there is and that we're not ultimately accountable for the way we live our lives, then the Spirit proves us to be in the wrong, exposes that lie in our hearts and speaks truth to us. 
And so here's the difficult point, the crux point when that happens. That truth brings some people to salvation and some to judgment. Truth brings some to salvation and some to judgment. Because when the Spirit speaks truth to people, when he testifies about Jesus, some people's hearts see the truth, recognise the truth and are brought into freedom and hope and new life. But some people hear the truth and reject it, like me swimming in the ocean. Right? Their, their hearts recoil against the truth of the gospel and they're condemned. There's an old saying that the sun, the same sun which melts the ice bakes hard the clay. The same truth, the same gospel of Jesus brings some to salvation and some to judgment. Do you remember a few years ago the Me Too movement, right, which kind of erupted and, and continues, that began with guys like Harvey Weinstein in Hollywood and continued through different parts of society where men were being exposed for the, the wicked things that they'd done with power in their workplaces. That, that truth that was brought to light brought for some people liberation and, and freedom, closure. For other people, it brought judgment condemnation, punishment. It's the same truth that brought both. It's like turning on a light in a dark room. Whatever was happening in that darkness is exposed. And when the spirit of truth shines the light of the gospel on people's lives, some are saved and some recoil because, in Jesus' words, they love the darkness. Now, this, this is hard. That's a hard truth. If you're here and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian, that's a confronting thing for someone to tell you, I think. But we don't like being told that we're wrong. We don't like the idea of God judging people or condemning them for decisions they make. But the truth is, we are all in the same boat. We are all exposed by the light of the truth of the gospel. It's not like some people have done wrong and others haven't. We've all done wrong. You, me, everyone. When the light is turned on, we are all shown up. We all see the imperfections in our hearts, the selfishness in our lives. But the question is, what happens next? So when the Spirit convicts your heart, what will you do? The same sun which melts the ice bakes hard the clay. Will your heart be like ice, melting, softening, receiving the truth? Or will your heart be like clay, baking hard against the light and the heat of truth? Well, we've got one more question to ask from this passage. Who is the Spirit, we've asked? What does the Spirit do? And how does he do it? How does the Spirit 
testify truth to the world? How does the Spirit proclaim the gospel of Jesus? How does the Spirit take that gospel to the ends of the earth? Well, the Spirit testifies truth to the world through believers, through Christians, through these 12 guys that Jesus is speaking to and through you and me. Jesus says in verse 7, I will send him, that's the Spirit, to you. And when he testifies, verse 27, believers also must testify. Just as the Spirit testifies, so also we must testify. And we don't have to do it in our own strength. The Spirit indwells us. He empowers us to testify the truth of Jesus. And that was exactly the story for these 12 guys, wasn't it? After Jesus spoke these words, after he died and rose and ascended back to heaven, they had no idea what to do or what was going on. They were confused, they were uncertain, they were afraid. Then the spirit of truth filled them, indwelt them, and suddenly they were preaching the gospel fearlessly to anyone who would listen. On that very first day, 3,000 people heard the gospel saw the truth of Jesus and came to believe. And that's what the Spirit still does through us. The Spirit still speaks truth to people's hearts through the lives and the words of Christians. That is the Spirit's MO. That is what he does. Sometimes it feels hard to see it in each of our own lives, but it is what the Spirit does in us and through us. Because Sometimes God's Spirit works in in quite obviously miraculous ways to bring people to faith. I have have one friend who came to faith when the Spirit of God appeared to her in a dream and called her to follow Jesus. That's way outside my own experience, but she's been walking with Jesus for decades, faithfully following him. The Spirit spoke truth to her in that unique way. Another friend became a Christian about five years after he was given a little Gideon Bible, which are little free Bibles that are given out by a ministry group at school. He'd never been to church in his life, no idea about who Jesus was, but he felt himself starting to ask questions about truth and life and if there was a God and for some reason he remembered that tiny little Bible that he'd put on his shelf. He picked it up, he started reading and the Holy Spirit of God just went bang and he came to believe in Jesus. Gave his life to Christ and is serving as a pastor now. The Spirit may testify the gospel to human hearts in those kind of ways. The Spirit does sometimes testify the gospel without believers. But believers never testify the gospel without the Spirit. And testifying the truth of Jesus through believers is the Spirit's MO. That is his default. That is the way he operates. It's the more more regular, the more boring conversion story. A story like mine, maybe yours, of a person hearing the gospel and seeing the gospel in their parents, in the church community that they grew up in, hearing worship songs, having conversations with youth leaders, going on camps, being part of CU, whatever the the much more normal story looks like, that is 
the equally miraculous and supernatural way that the, the Spirit takes the Gospel to the ends of the earth. The Spirit of Truth is always at work, sometimes in, in remarkable ways, speaking truth to our hearts, usually in those very normal and unbelievably miraculous ways that he speaks. So expect him to be at work testifying gospel truth to people around you, through you. Pray for that, expect that, prepare for that. But when you tell someone about your faith, when you have the opportunity to to read the Bible with someone, when you live differently to those around you to show your commitment to Jesus, when you show grace to people and then point them to the God of grace, you're not doing that on your own. It's not up to you. And thank God for that, right? The Spirit is actively at work in you and through you. So don't be afraid to, to take risks to step out. Don't be afraid to speak gospel truth into someone's life. Don't be afraid to offer to pray for someone. This is the way that God takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. He's been doing it for 2,000 years and it's the way he'll keep doing it until he's finished. And here's the thing I want us to, to remember tonight. If you're going to testify the gospel, if you're going to speak truth to someone in your life, talk about Jesus. Because that's what the spirit of truth does. He talks about Jesus. Jesus is the truth. When you share your faith, when you're part of this person by person, generation by generation, passing on of the gospel to the ends of the earth, talk about Jesus. Apologetics, if you have to, talking about the institutional church and historical sins of Christianity, sure, if you need to, but talk about Jesus. 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 He is the truth. There's nothing else as important as talking about him. When I tell people about my job, that I'm I'm a pastor, they often kind of look a bit puzzled and ask, what do you actually do as a pastor? And, And what I have kind of taught myself to say to people is that I help people know Jesus better. And I say that because I want them to hear the name Jesus in our conversation. I want the follow-up question to be something about Jesus or about how I help people know Jesus. Your mates, they might want to talk about creation and evolution. Sure, they might want to talk about marriage and sexuality. They might want to talk about the relationship between church and state or something like that. I, I get that you can't ignore those questions that are big in people's minds. We need to engage with those questions. But try to talk about Jesus. Don't leave a conversation without talking about Jesus. No one is going to be saved by knowing what you think about the first few chapters of Genesis, right? But they might get saved if you can tell them about Jesus. There's a next-door neighbour of mine who's always really kind of curious and interested and positive to talk about my work as a pastor, when we would talk about the initiatives that the church has to care for poor and vulnerable people. 
uh, the counselling that we provide, the material support, the, the programs that we offer to help people improve their lives. And look, that's great. I'm happy to talk about those things. But as soon as I try to start to turn the conversation towards talking about Jesus, she disengages. She doesn't want to hear that truth. As the Spirit through me starts to present the gospel of Jesus, starts to speak truth to her, she steps back. She doesn't want to hear it. But that's the point that we we need to get to as the Spirit speaks truth, as some reject it and as some accept it. It's got to be Jesus on repeat, like a broken record. When the Spirit speaks the truth of Jesus to the world, some people refuse to accept the truth, like me in a thunderstorm, and that's a tragedy. But sometimes they hear the truth and they believe and they're saved into new life now and forever. And that is a miracle that we get to be part of. So why don't I thank God that we do? Would you pray with me? Spirit of God, thank you for speaking truth to us. Thank you for bringing us from death to life. Spirit of God, would you continue to speak truth through us? Speak Jesus through our words and our lives. Bring many to know him through us. And we pray it for his glory. Amen.